0: live from Southern California this is the Jim Rome show
1: if you haven't noticed it's been a really big week a big week on a lot of different levels first of all it is the week before the week of as in the week before the week of Smackoff 29 which of course is next Friday it's a week from this Friday the hype is building I'm getting hyped so we have that and well have more of that Also, however, a big hype week in the association because it is NBA Draft Week, which means it's a big week for one of the biggest NBA draft prospects ever. And I mean it literally, and I mean it figuratively, because this dude, Wemby, is enormous, both physically and... And in terms of star power and future potential. From the very moment this dude landed at JFK on Monday, it has been Wemby Week in New York City. And Wemby Week quickly turned into Wemby Mania. And if I'm being honest, I'm getting caught up in it too. In fact, I'm all caught up in Wemby Mania. I'm talking, of course, about seven foot four inch. 19-year-old French Uber prospect, Victor Wembenyama. Say it with me now. wem ben Now, don't worry about saying it again, because everybody is just going to call this dude Wemby. Everybody already is calling this dude Wemby. And I'm telling you right now, Wemby is very, very different. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a can't-miss, day-one superstar who's going to set the league on fire right when he hits the hardwood. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, from day one, there is not going to be anybody else in the association like this cat. First of all, what other prospect could roll into New York City with this kind of welcome? The New Yorkers are welcoming this guy like he's already a superstar, and he's not their superstar. Like, Wemby is getting a version of the Aaron Rodgers treatment this week. And like I said, it started from the very moment he walked off that plane. He got swarmed at JFK. Like, they're swarming Wemby at JFK. Again, he's not their draft pick. It's like the Beatles hit the ground. And he was already like, wow. Like, I'm not really sure what's happening but this is pretty cool. Victor, did you expect all this? I don't know. I didn't knew not what flight I was on, but, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Seeing that you can have such impact on people. He's like, how do they even know what flight I'm on? Welcome to America, big fella. Welcome to your new life. They know what flight you're on, just as they're going to track every single move from here on in. Everything you say, everything you tweet, everything that goes on your IG Live and your TikTok, everything you snap, everything you wear, everything. It's going to be great and you will love it. However, the frenzy at JFK was just the tip of the iceberg. Last night, Wemby ducked into a subway. I mean, he is 7'4". Heyo. Ducked into a subway, rode that subway out to the Bronx, and then threw out the first pitch at the Yankee game. And no, it did not go very well. It never does, right? And yes, he did get razzed on the Yes broadcast. All part of a proper New York City welcome, right? Promised you the Victor Webanyama first pitch. He will be the first pick on Thursday night in the NBA draft. All right, guys, here we go 7 4.
0: Oh, boy. Let's see. Oh, no.
1: oh. <laughs> Oh, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're they're more often awful than good, aren't they, when other sports try and come to the mound? If I had to break that down, his whole body was going one way and his arm was going the other. (laughs) So, matters. Wide left. He missed the catcher. And look, I also don't really understand how it is that other elite pro athletes suck at first pitches. I've never understood that. It's true. They are, quote, more often awful than good. And usually I do not understand why. But in this case, I do. In this case, it's not exactly some sort of giant mystery. Have you seen the pics of this dude holding a baseball? You see what a baseball looks like in Wemby's hand? It looks like a normal person holding a golf ball. You try to throw a marble... 60 feet in a straight line and then you come back and you tell me what happens. Seriously, go outside, find a pebble and try to aim that thing. That was Wemby. That was Wemby on the mountain last night. And it was even more ridiculous when he then picked up a bat. It was like the dude was walking around with a Ticonderoga. It was like somebody handed this guy a toothpick. But again... When I say this cat is different, I don't just mean his size or his star power. I also mean he thinks differently. He sounds different. As J.J. Reddick found out firsthand on his Old Man and the Three podcast. This is incredible. I want you to listen to this very carefully. And no offense, clones, it's going to go over some of your heads. Most of your heads probably. But check out his response from Wemby, this response, when JJ asks him what his totem is. Never mind, the hell does that question even mean? Even more incredible than him asking that question, whatever the hell it means, Wemby knew exactly what it meant. Wait till you get a load of this answer. He asked him, hey, yo, what's your totem? Pretty wild. A pretty intense question to lob at a 19-year-old in the middle of the biggest week of his life so far. Do you know how many 19-year-olds I've interviewed on this show? Generally, do you know it comes back to even the most inane questions? An even more inane answer. And then you hit J.J. Reddick. You hear him say, hey, man, what's your totem? Check out this response. My totem
2: is... It's something like it's something bigger than basketball, you know. It's it's just life. It's just accomplishing yourself inside this universe, you know. And when I need motivation, when I need energy, and I feel tired out, when I need to fight on the court, and it's it's hard, I always remember I'm 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 free in that universe. I, I do whatever I can, and I know what I want to do, and nothing's gonna stop me from doing it. And I always got that in mind, and it doesn't just stop to basketball,
3: you know. it's, it's about life man. Jason. Well, well said. Jason. <laughs> He's reached enlightenment. Well, <laughs> no, but
2: I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm really understood because, I, you know, in French, I, I, I know I can make myself understood, but in English, sometimes I'm not No, through. no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, you good. understood. You <laughs> understood. It's very clear.
3: It's very clear. Fuck man. I wish I was free in the universe.
1: I wish you I are. was free
3: in the universe. All
1: right. So there is so much to unpack right there. Uh, Oh, no, Legend, you're understood. Not only did he answer that question the way he answered that question, he bleeping answered that question the way he answered that question in his second language. I've said this for years. I am always blown away by athletes or others that do big-scale, big-stage interviews in a second language. And he did, but he answered that question that way, in a second language. Yo, big dude, we understood you incredibly well. In fact, too well for a 19-year-old. This dude is still a teenager. He's like Logan's age. Logan's almost that old. And he just explained how he's free in the universe and how he knows that nobody can stop him from doing the things he wants to do, and it's not just about basketball, it's about life, because he is free in the universe and knows exactly what he wants to get done. You love to hear it. this not like J.J. Redick a lot, actually, but I'm not really sure where he was going with that totem query. Like, if he thought he was going to trip Wemby up, or what he was doing with that? If Wemby were such a class act and so brilliant, he could have answered that question the way he did and tagged it with, what's my totem, old man? That's my totem, old man. Now tell me how my ass tastes and get that crap out of here. This dude's going to win us all over before he even plays in a single NBA game. Hell, this dude is winning me over before he even gets a chance to walk up on that stage and shake hands with commissioner ears and throw on a Spurs cap. That's a 19-year-old who doesn't need the reinvention project with Jim Rome. Hell, the reinvention project with Jim Rome needs Wemby because I've got a million more questions for this dude. What a fascinating response. And maybe a tad different than the type of things that you might hear from, say, I don't know, John Morant, Zion Williamson. There may not be a current player in the entire NBA that could have given that answer. And this guy's 19 and did it in a second language and hasn't even played yet. Craving some protein after a good workout. Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it clones, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I mean, don't even get me started on athletes who can do big-time interviews in a second language, much less that interview. Man, this dude is so chill. He is so chill and so zen. You probably missed this at the end of the exchange. It's one of my favorite parts. So chill, so zen, and so locked in that he even had a lightning comeback for J.J. at the very end. Did you catch it? J.J. was so blown away by the response. He said, and I quote, Bleep, man. I wish I was free in the universe and without any hesitation Wemby, listen for it. Wemby hits him right back with, you are. fuck
3: man. I wish I was free in the universe. <laughs> I wish you I are. was free in
1: the universe. F, man. Wow, dude. I wish I were free in the universe. And then he deadpans him like, you are.
3: fuck man. I wish I was free in the universe. <laughs>
1: I wish you I are. was free in the universe. You are, dude. You are. The 19-year-old just schooling One of the most thoughtful guys who's been in the NBA of late. How can you not love the guy already? Wemby mania is not just happening in New York City. It's happening in the studio right now because there's nobody else like this dude. Certainly not in this draft class. Maybe not even in the entire sport. And I can comfortably say before he even suits up for an NBA game that he's that guy. And do you know why I can say that? Because, and I'm not sure that I was until about five minutes ago, but I am now. I can say what I just said about him because I am free in the universe. I am. I am free in the universe. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just twenty nine ninety nine. So unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines. You don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for 29.99 with unlimited data today. US Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We are joined by Greg Burhalter. Greg, it is great to have you back. How are you doing, Greg?
4: Great to be here, Jim. How's everything?
1: Great. Awesome. And it's great to hear your voice. So I want to say U.S. Soccer reintroduced you as the head coach of the men's national team. So I want to say, how does it feel to be back? Or maybe, Greg, did you never actually leave?
4: Well, first of all, it feels great to be back. Um, and, you know, this la- the last six months was, was an interesting time. You know, it was about letting a process play out. Um, And then, you know, planning what's next. And, um, you know, when this interview came around and um, I had a chance to to rediscuss the role and and put my name in for the role, I thought it was um, a very good process, interview process, and um, ultimately landed back in the position, which I'm thankful for.
1: All right. So I want to talk to you about the process and I want to talk about the last six months, but what's it mean to you to be able to continue what you started back in 2018?
4: Yeah, you know, Jim, I almost feel like you guys were were there from day one, right, after all the times we spoke. So you got to see firsthand what was being built. And, um, you know, it was a strong foundation. It is a strong foundation, um, both on and off the field. The culture of the group um, is really strong. The development of the players over this last four years has been amazing. And it's a strong foundation on which to build um, this path towards the World Cup in 2026.
1: I mean, Greg, to that point, like, what's it represent to you that even while you weren't there necessarily over the past six months, that groundwork, that system, that culture, all those things that you would work so hard to establish and put in place, remained in place, and the team is still succeeding as a result of that, what's that mean to you?
4: You know, that's what I think um, really interested me about returning is that I realize it's not about one person, one player, you know, it's about the group and the culture is so strong that, you know, even when key members are missing sometimes or a staff member is missing, that the group keeps going and the foundation is there. And now I think if we continue to improve, you know, we can do something really special in 2026.
1: Greg Burhalter is joining us. So at any point in the process, had you mentally and emotionally moved on and were you locked in on the next thing?
4: You know, it, it, there was ebbs and flows, Jim. Um, and, you know, there was obviously difficult times, um, you know, a lot of reflecting, a lot of lessons learned throughout this whole period. Um, But then, you know, as I started seeing the group perform and I started hearing some some, you know, um, snippets from the guys about the team culture and how strong it is, you know, it really got me motivated again. And it really, um, you know, put my head in in the direction that this is something that, you know, we want to continue to do and make even better.
1: Greg, you mentioned the last six months. I'm curious exactly what were the last six months like for you and Rosalind and the family?
4: Yeah, so it obviously started out very difficult, um, you know, in the, the beginning of the year, and, um, and it was a tough period. Those first couple of weeks were really difficult. And then what, what we started to see, you know, at least within our family, is it, it made us stronger, and we started to see, um, you know, the positive sides of things, you know, getting so many nice messages. Um, you know, Janet is always wanted to send amazing messages, um, but just the support from our friends, the support from the group support from the soccer community and and that really um you know made us feel good and and also I think that the the model that we set for our kids and how you know we we showed them about you know honesty and and standing up for things and um, being up front and and so all that goes a long way so after that period, it turned into okay, how do I get better you know I went over to Europe I met with some some really good coaches I visited clubs I you know I immersed myself in in um you know the soccer side of it met a lot of great people and and then you start getting the itch again and 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 that's where you know that's what led us to this process
1: Greg Burholder is joining us once again so Greg have you spoken to Gio Reina yet
4: You know I have not um the focus was um letting him compete in the Nations League
1: and and you saw
4: he he did a great job um especially you know, in, in the final, played a great game. Unfortunately, had to go off at halftime with an injury. But I um, wanted to give him that time, that space to really focus on competing. Um, now I think it's about for him mentally, you know, getting away and checking out for a bit. But, you know, I'll certainly um, connect with him before before this next, next camp. And there's work to do there. And, you know, I'm willing to do the work to, to make sure the relationship and the understanding is in a place that – you know, I'm committed. The staff is committed to coaching him um, with, with as much enthusiasm and and love as any other player.
1: Talking to Greg Burhalter, Greg, I'm curious. Like, how do you reconcile the two of your best friends ever, Claudio and Daniel Rena, turned against you, used one of your worst nights, something that happened decades ago that you long ago owned and were responsible for, and then weaponized it against you. How hurtful was that, and how were you able to get beyond that?
4: Yeah, that, that's a tough one, Jim. And, um, you know, I, I, I think we're still working through that. Um, again, you know, we have a strong family, and I think it's about coming together as a family and, and getting the support of your family. But it's, you know, that that's certainly a real difficult one.
1: Greg Berhalter, my guest. You know, so, Greg, you mentioned the support of the soccer community, a number of your own players, including Christian Pulisic, Matt Turner, Timothy Weah, they all continue to have your back throughout the entire thing. What did it mean to you to have their continued support?
4: You know, it, it means a lot. I mean, it, it means that, you know, a lot of the work you put in over the last four years, and it's not just myself, it's the entire staff. Um, uh, the work we put in over the last four years was valued. And I think that's, um, you know, that's a good feeling.
1: We're talking to Greg Burhalter. So, Greg, what about the process itself? Matt Crocker took over as the new sporting director. Before yeah. I ask you about the process, you had never met him, right, before the entire process started. What were your first impressions? What did you think of him?
4: Um, you know, the first thing that struck me about Matt was he's a guy that's, um, that's deeply invested in the process and, um, you know, having a way to work, being open, looking for marginal gains, continual improvement. I mean, those are the things that are in line with, with my thinking as well. So I think there was a lot of synergy there.
1: He said, Greg, that you scored off the charts in every single area of the screening and the interview process that all the finalists were subjected to like how intense was that part of the process what did that consist of
4: it was it was interesting you know um, so there was you know personality tests there was abstract learning tests there were tasks there was interpersonal communication tests i mean there there it was a whole whole bunch of stuff um, but I really embraced it. I thought it was um, it was great. It was something I haven't been subject to before, so I was really interested to to go through that process. Um, and you know, overall, I think it was it showed me how serious um, this person is, how serious the U.S. Soccer Federation is, um, and it made a really good impression on me.
1: All right, so you'll hit the ground running in terms of preparation and strategic planning. When do you expect to actually rejoin the team on a full time basis and get with the players and lead the players?
4: So that will be in the September camp. Um, You know, unfortunately, I'm not going to take part in the Gold Cup, which starts on Saturday. You know, I'll be cheering the team on and, and of course, watching all the games. But the the first time I'll be back with the team is going to be in September. And we truly will use this time um, from now until then to, to strategic plan, to to look at staff, to focus on, um, you know, how do we get better on and off the field.
1: Right, so before you go, you and I touched on this briefly. You said it at the very top that when I asked you, what's it mean to you to continue what you started? And you said, actually, we've all been together since you got there. At the World Cup of Guitar, Team USA recorded multiple shutouts for the first time since 1930 while using the youngest pool of players in team history. As you look ahead, if this group does continue to develop and progress the way it has, what do you think the next three years will look like?
4: Well, that's exactly it, right? That's the big if. Um, The the strides that the group has made from 2018 to 2022 was immense. And if we continue to make those same strides, um, it's going to be exciting. You know, I know, I mean, you know, I've seen footage in 94. I was at games in 94 when we hosted the World Cup. The crowd is going to be a major factor, a major booster, multiplier to what we can potentially do. Um, The trick will be, you know, there's uh, there's an extra round of knockout games, and the trick will be we we have to win multiple knockout games, and that's always hard. You know, the U.S. in in our history have only won one knockout game in modern history, so we're going to have to go in un, uncharted territory, but I think this group, um, you know, has the mindset and the skill set to do it.
1: talk about mindset like where's your mindset now like your frame of reference compared to when you first got that gig in 2018 do you feel totally reset rejuvenated do you feel like you have a different sort of edge like what's your mindset like now compared to 2018
4: yeah i I know a lot more about international soccer you know the the adaptability of the group even myself um you know from when i first took over to now it's night and day in terms of understanding international soccer um, so, yeah, it's right now, it's hunger. You know, I'm, I'm hungry to, to succeed with this group. Um, you know, collectively, we're ready to go. And when you, when you see the players and the focus, particularly in this last tournament, the Nations League, it, it was just, you could see they were locked in. And that's something I experienced in the World Cup with the group. And, and if we continue on this path, um, I'm sure we're going to be a, a difficult team to beat.
1: So one last thought, I've got about 60 seconds. What about Messi and his arrival in the MLS? The GOAT's going to play out at the end of his career in Miami. What does that mean in terms of developing soccer here and the culture?
4: You know, it's an incredible commitment from Major League Soccer, um, incredible commitment from the owners of, of
1: Inter Miami, uh, the Moss
4: brothers and David Beckham, because it's a game changer. Um, the options that he had, you know, he's choosing between going back to Barcelona, one of the biggest clubs in the world, you know, going to Saudi Arabia you know, for for billions of dollars, or to come to Major League Soccer. And he chose Major League Soccer. And that's, that's a, a great opportunity for this league. Um, he's still an amazing player, and it's going to bring a lot of excitement and a lot of attention to, to an already strong league.
1: He is the head coach of the U.S. Men's National Soccer Team. Greg, my friend, welcome home. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for doing this, and great to have you back.
4: Thank you, Jim. Great talking to you, man.
1: Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. All right, so we are nine days from Smackoff 29. Nine. Nine days means only six shows between today and the main event. So once again, if you were listening yesterday, you could definitely tell that we are in Smackoff season. Crunch time. It's getting hot. Getting really hot up in here. Because first, Nick Casario did cold call the program to accept his honorary golden ticket, which I thought was straight up legendary. I loved it.
3: First of all, say thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the golden ticket. It got back to me that that Jeff had made the call, so then I was listening to the show. I kind of followed up a little bit later in the day, heard Jeff's call. So all you stuck nutters out there, just for the record... I haven't picked Jeff and Richmond, so um, just to kind of clear that up. And to quote another immortal, legendary, smack-off caller, Jim, you know, I don't really have a lot of smack today, but, you know, again, I just appreciate the invitation, and I felt like I just had an obligation to reach out to you, just given the relationship that we've had through the years.
1: Actually, my guy, there was no obligation whatsoever, given the relationship we've had throughout the years, but I'm so glad you did. I thought that was awesome. It pumped me up. I thought it was a great, great jungle moment. Incredible. Jungle legend, Nick Casario, general manager of the Texans. Of course, no good thing goes unpunished around here. And of course, a couple of other legends jumped right in and took the opportunity to hammer Nick and RSVP. Namely, the GOAT, the BIC, Brad and Corona. And the GOAT's biggest rival over the last decade left, the Laguna Beach Bully. And if you were ever wondering how he got that gloss, he reminded us of that very fact yesterday.
2: You thought Friday was a great call day, huh? Well, I hate Brad more than Brad hates I Freddy, so I need to piggyback on this. I'm also RSVPing, Jim, June 29th. Dong Day, second annual Dong Day. I can't wait. It's not Dong Day until left in Laguna says it's Dong Day, not Brad and Cronos. So I want to announce I'm actually throwing a costume themed watch party at Big Wangs. Everyone's gonna be dressed up like Rick and Buffalo Jim. But uh, officially, as for the 30th Smack of 29, Jim, duh, of course I'm gonna be there.
1: All right. First of all, I love that he RSVP'd first, not for the Smack Off, but for Dong Day. I already explained yesterday what Dong Day is. Notice he said the 29th. It is the day before the smack-off. Without Alvin dropping that package once again, Dong Day represents the day where smack-off participants call and say all the things that they know will get them run on the day of. Generally, things about dongs. He also said it's not Dong Day until left says it's Dong Day. And then he said, in terms of the big event, duh. Of course I'll be there. Left and Laguna. Today he gets the profile treatment himself. Lef, a three time champion. Left, he has top 10 the last eight smack offs. According to buttnuts, he's the two to one favorite to rip his fourth strap on Friday, a week from Friday. The reason Lef is always among the favorites is because you never know what you're going to get from this guy, and he did change the game. He did. He changed the game. He pushes the boundaries of what a phone call to the jungle can be. He has shown that he can be wildly original, wildly creative, and he has pulled some stunts that nobody else would ever even think of, let alone attempt and then execute. Like the time he called from a helicopter back in 2015, buzzing my tower.
2: And Jim, you can probably hear the Eurocopter EC-125 buzzing in the background. But I bet you can probably hear it even better because I'm right outside the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio for reals. Jim, that blue chopper right outside the window, that's me. Riding shotguns, Randall, he washed your windows four weeks ago. And our pilot trending on Twitter today, Captain Steve Wonder.
1: That's a fact. That was not some sound bite or sound drop that he put in there that he overlaid over the call. He literally was in a helicopter outside of our building. We went around, looked out the window, and there he was. That was a real thing that he did. That was the first real stunt that he pulled, but far from the only smack-off stunt that he pulled. He also stormed the studio during the main event, the actual studio, more than once. In fact, I had to change the rules. I had to institute a left rule. I had to ban studio storming because a bunch of people were crying saying, hey, Rome, that's not fair. We're out of state. We can't get there. We can't afford that. I'm like, all right, all right, left. you can't do that anymore. Nobody can do it. If they can't do it, you can't do it. Like, he changed the rules of the game. Like, we had to raise the basket because of left. He's also the master of putting together a cameo appearance on a phone call. It's time for your sports update. My man, Rich
2: Ackerman's got it. Rich?
0: CBS Sports Sports Flash. All right, left. Breaking news we're following out of the Inland Empire. Corona police arrested a man-child today after discovering his elaborate plans to impersonate several different people using the same voice and wacky cartoon sounds in order to fraudulently win a radio
2: contest. Hang on, I got another call coming in. Uh, hello?
4: Hi, it's Larry Brown. Congratulations, Jim, on all the success. And I love the show. but have to stop Frank calling me. I don't want the gym membership.
2: Hey, Jim! Straight fire here! Sorry if I sound a bit hoarse, but I'm here to RSVP for Left and Laguna. Just make sure Left doesn't have the combination to the paddock on the door. Track me. I'm Oh. Okay. That's right,
4: Left. I'm
1: Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and I
0: want to talk Chargers soccer with you.
1: Hey, Left. Henry Winkler here. Just want to touch base before Smack Off 24. How great is it that it's on TV this year? I've written down July 20th, and I'm storming the studio, and I'm bringing with me my award. Hi, Lef,
0: Ron Say here. Hey, Lef, would you give Rome a message for me, please? Would you tell Jim to stop sending his fan base out to stalk me? (laughs) Oh, so you think this is funny? Yeah! Dumbass. Legends
2: never die, Romy. Hey,
4: what a bet, punk? Whoa, whoa, Terrence, put the gun down. (laughs) Hey, Bert says hello.
0: Ah, ah, ah. Damn, I'm out of bullets.
1: You see what I mean? I mean, Larry Brown, Henry Winkler, Ron Say, Straight Fire, Terrence, Randall. Nobody is willing to take as many chances and try as many different things as left, which is why the BIC famously glossed him, quote, a gimmicky little bitch. Brad can call it Gimmicky. There might be something to it, but I call it entertaining as hell. And a little bit gimmicky, but mostly hilarious. Gimmicky little bitch. Brad also called the helicopter BS, too. I want to make this clear, though, and I have said it before. Left does not need a gimmick or a cameo or a prop or a studio storming. He doesn't have to have those things to win. He just uses those things to his advantage. But don't kid yourselves. This dude can run devastating straight smack, too. And as my guy Nick Casario unfortunately found out, it's a fact. He can. The thing about Leff is he hasn't been quite at his best on the biggest day of the last couple of years. He won his third strap in 2020, but did not hit the top five in either of the last two main events. Which, to me... Just makes the guy more dangerous. He's not fading out. He's not washed. How do I know that? I heard him yesterday. I know he still has something in him because I heard it yesterday on the program. We all heard the way he blew in for that RSVP. Nobody should doubt this guy. Nobody should underestimate this guy. He's already proven himself around here. And I know he's got a hell of a lot more left in the tank. Both he and the BIC. Neither one of these guys are fading. I don't see any diminishment whatsoever in either one of them, and especially in Left.
2: Effective immediately. I have hereby fired Team Left. All the writers, all the producers, uh, Jimmy, they're just straight fired. Hey, uh, Gino, thanks for that five-minute RSVP that you won't be calling Friday. Remind me not to invite you to a party you can't attend, because I don't need to read a nine-page regret letter. I do know what Benny and Wisco and Cheese have in common. They both stink worse than a Dane Cook butt biscuit. And Mike saying things twice isn't cool. Saying things twice isn't cool. Rick Patino. what type of beer is this vampire drinking anyways? Bloodweiser? And really, I'm not saying rigor mortis is fully set in yet, but dude hasn't looked this stiff since he devoured that f- taco at that Italian restaurant. Did you see a helmet chipped the tooth of Aaron Judge? How in the hell did a helmet even find a tooth in this guy's gap mouth? And with that jack-o'-lantern mouth, people in New York have already started calling him Mr. October 31st. Did you know Joe Burrow is just the command Richard Gere shouts to his pet gerbil named Joe. Congrats on getting the show on Sirius XM. I mean, how cool is it that Sam Cassell and Willie McGee can now listen to me on extraterrestrial radio? And Jimmy, how great is it that the smack-off falls in the only week without any pro sports? I mean, who scheduled this thing, Brad and Corona? I mean, dude has less interest in opening the sports section than Shaq Griffin has in opening a pickle jar. Brad, if the point of your pictures last year was to prove Americans are not all fat... Maybe tell Reggie to keep his fat ass out of the reflection of your Ray-Ban, Brad versus The Field. Dude, unless your nickname for me is The Field, I assume you're referencing his white trash backyard gimmicky little snitch. FBL sports call, I, I didn't want to waste my breath in any of these guys today, so let me just do it in one. <sighs> Calder Asian thinks water poles a shirt he wears in the pool. Rick and Buffalo's nose is so big he run an excavator to move a booger. Benny and uses use OnlyFans for air conditioning. Mark and Hollywood's so poor. Ducks throw bread at him. Caleb's emotional support. Animals are fried chicken. And Brad and Cronus so into cranks. He just got his ninth booster of the Johnson Johnson vaccine. <sighs> Pick up the phone on the 30th, bitch. And also, Nick, love that lazy you sport. I bet that comes in real handy when you're scouting. Like when Ohio State played Alabama, you had one eye on C.J. Stroud and the other eye on Will Anderson.
0: Let's go, Casario! Om nom nom nom, Wisconsin! Time to die! I'm out.
1: I mean, holy crap, Lef. This dude is a bully. Not just any bully, the Laguna Beach bully. This is what I mean. And I mean that in a good way. Normally, I'm not in favor of people getting Bullied. Ever, except that kind of bullying I'm in favor of. So he has not fared well the last couple of years, but are you going to tell me that guy's not still dangerous as hell? Left in Laguna, he's got three straps. <laughs> the BIC versus the field. If by the field you mean me, eh, that's only the part that I can repeat. Anyway, you heard it. Left, there is your profile. A three-time champ, your stuck-nut odds-on favorite. He has already RSVP'd, duh. He's hungry. He's pissed. He's a bully. He's coming for the rest of you. I cannot wait to see what this dude has in store next Friday. Who you got? After hearing that, who you got? How about some reaction? Hit me up on the phones, 1 800 636 8686. Hit me up also on Twitter with some reaction at Jim Rome. Email me some reaction, Rome, R O M E, at Habitat.com. The smackoff is a week from Friday. The winner gets five grand. The winner get uh, the second place runner up, gets nothing. Third place gets even less. Not even that. Not even that. Not even a butter knife. Not even a spoon, not even a spork, nothing. You get nothing. We go to Appleton, Wisconsin. Trevor, good to have you, Trevor. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Jim? Great. I'm looking
3: forward to Smack Off 29. One caller I'm not worried about taking the crown in Smack Off 29 is Jeff in Richmond. Arrogance never gets results. Jeff is like that arrogant neighbor of mine who has a don't tread on me flag waving in his driveway. Don't worry, dude. Me, the Girl Scouts, and the Jehovah Witness. Won't knock on your door and interrupt your moonshine operation. Jeff, enjoy life in your egotistical bubble and leave the smack off to the big kids in the room. Speaking of gross and egotistical, let's talk about Methleen. I'd compare her to those people who put disgusting toilets in their front yards and try to pass them off as decorations. Methleen, you litter the jungle with terrible calls, like that drunk ice cream truck driver slinging malt liquor bottles out the window while he's patrolling the neighborhood. Come to think of it, I think the two of you would get along just great. The first hour of Smack Off 28 was trash. Caleb managed to swoop in with a song and cows and squeak by. That isn't going to cut it this year, fat boy. When I'm done with you, Caleb, no amount of deep-fried cheese curds from that bar that unsponsored you is going to pull you out of your depression. Jim, I've been a teacher for 12 years, which means I've had June 30th wide open on my calendar since I graduated college. I want that golden ticket, Jim. I want it so bad that I would kick Slugworth hard enough to make Bill and Brooks
1: proud wreck me i'm out trevor can't knock the hustle can't knock the hustle but not good enough i need more keep trying keep calling you're not there yet but i do appreciate it so he's just trying to find his way back in which i respect let's go to chad in la yo chad what's going on
3: jimmy i am free in the universe how you
1: been (laughs) got the same dude exactly the same i'm good man how about you what's up
3: been great. How do I sound? Can you hear me okay? You sound fine. Good. I want to make sure I'm on a hard line. been too long, Jimmy. Some say it hasn't been long enough. I mean, I'm more of
0: a girth guy myself. Anyway, I love that uh, profile on Leff and Legina. The best part is when he announced you were hosting the second annual Dong Day, I went from 6 o'clock to 12 o'clock real quick. You asked me, What's my totem, Jim? My totem pole is my totem. I mean, I'm so bricked up, Romy, that if I peed right now, it would probably land. That's not a good
1: call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good Oh, I get it, Chad. That's why you asked me how you sounded. You wanted to establish that you were on a hard line. Let's go to San Antonio. Ben. Good to have you, Ben. How are you? Jim, I'm great, man. Hey, this
0: is my first time calling. I've been listening to your show for about 25 years. Man, I've been a clone for such a long time. It's finally good to talk to you, my man. Hey, real quick, I just want to talk about Victor Wembenyamu. Bro, you're 7'4", you go about a buck 50. and what is it with these athletes that can't get a ball to home plate? I mean, 50 cents, now this dude, wide right, wide left. What, Dude, get it to home plate. But more than that, I think the dynasty is, go- is coming back to San Antonio after about six or seven years of having absolutely nothing to look at on the court. Greg Popovich is going to build around this dude, and it is going to be epic. Jim, I'm calling my shot for the smack-off. I got Jeff in Richmond. I heard that call last week. He's on fire. He looks and sounds awesome. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be tuning in. Jim, again, thank you for everything. Been for 25 years, going to continue
1: another 25 with you. My man, I love it. I'm out. We are joined right now by Melvin Gordon. Melvin, what's going on? How are you? Uh, good, boss. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. So bring me up to date. What's the off season been like for you? What have you been doing?
5: Uh, for me, man, i just just grinding, training. Um, just started out a lot sooner. Um, you know, with the training work. Um, but that's really all it's been, man. Just uh, just grinding. That's all you can really
1: do. That's all you can really do. And let me ask you something. I mentioned that you had your time with the Chiefs. After all the years that you spent with the Chargers and the Broncos, how weird and surreal was it to win a Super Bowl ring as a member of the Chiefs?
5: Yeah, it was super weird. <laughs> it was weird. You know, it's something that I, I never thought that, you know, would ever happen, honestly. Um, but it did. You know, so it's 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 crazy. Um, you know, just just how life works out.
1: Dude, I appreciate the answer. It was super weird. Let me ask you this. Like, You didn't appear in any games with them, but as members of the practice squad, you got a ring for your contribution to the team. Listen, you know I mean this respectfully, but given who you are and the success you've already had in the NFL, how do you feel about that ring? Like, Is it awesome to have a ring because so few guys actually ever get one, or is there a part of you that thinks, yeah, man, I want the ring, but it's not exactly the way I want to get the ring?
5: Yeah. Uh well just start off, that probably one of that probably was one of the most experienced and like humbling experiences ever in my life. Um, you know, being on a practice squad, uh just knowing that, you know, you could do better and um I was just very optimistic about everything, you know. I just I continued to work hard and practice just because I you know, I just I just wanted to be ready just in case my opportunity had came and, you know, you know, football is a crazy sport. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but, you know, that's just kind of business of the game. Um, so I just kinda I just kinda was staying ready and just opportunity just never presented itself. Um, a lot of coaches thought I would but you know, be able to suit up, but you know, it's just the the flow of jet and uh uh Pacheco was just it was just going too good, so I understood. Um but as far as the ring, I mean I'm happy I got it because um you know it's just it is just a you know it's just something that people people be in the league you know 15 10 15 16 years and never see one you know and 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 then at some point in your career you kind of just be happy to get one anyways you know regardless of how you get it um but i was just kind of sitting there and i was just like man you know if i would have been able to win this you know while i was playing and knew i contributed it or if I'd have won this with the Chargers and seeing Keenan, and seeing Mike, seeing Gates and Phil, um, I was just sitting there, kind of. When I was in the moment, I was just like, "Man, I would have, I would have loved that, you know." So it's definitely a different feeling, but you know, I'm still, I'm still happy. I'm
1: grateful. Respect, dude. Respect. I have a lot of respect for that response. I have respect for every part of that response because you're right. That had to be humbling. I mean, you're Melvin Gordon, dude. You put up huge numbers in the NFL. You've had a great career. I don't think that everybody would be willing to do what you did to go to the practice squad and stay ready and keep your head up. And you did. So what's your status currently? Like, I know you're a free agent. Are you looking for the next chapter of your life or are you staying ready in the event that the right playing opportunity does present itself? Where's your head at now?
5: Uh, I still want to play. You know, um, you know, I still got some, I got some tread left on the tires. And you know, Andy, Andy, you know, Coach Reed kind of sat me down, and you know, he told me that you know you still can play. And um, you know, it's just about you know the right situation. And it's just so tough for running backs right now, man. You have a lot of running backs that's out there. And we just, <laughs> we just don't get no love. It's literally the worst position to play in the NFL right now. You know, it's, it's it literally sucks and. You know, I'm just I'm just staying ready, man. Cause I I know what I can do. I know once I get in camp or I get in any camp, you know I I could turn some heads. I just I I know what I need to do. You know, um, you know I know my mistakes that I have made, but um, you know you you got to be able to correct them. But I'm ready to go, man. I'm just staying ready. I'm, I'm trying to. It's hard though. It's hard training, knowing that you know you you're not gonna be on a team. It's it's tough mentally. Um, but you know I've talked to some players that went through it. And, uh, you know, just taking their advice, being a sponge, and, you know, that kind of helped you get through it.
1: Melvin Gordon is joining us. Man, you're not wrong, dude. You are not wrong. I think that when you say that right now being a running back sucks and it might be the worst position in the NFL, like, what happened? Can you point to when that happened and what happened? Why is that? Uh,
5: I think after my opinion, I think um, after Ty got paid, And then, um, you know, Sean McVay came out and said, I'll never pay a running back again. Um, And I'll just, you know, use them and then, you know, rotate them out. I think after that statement was made, and then I think they won the Super Bowl, it was just like (laughs) everybody just followed suit, I think. Um, And I kind of think that's where everything just started going downhill. Um, I mean, as you can tell, you know, you have your exceptional backs, you have – Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, you have Saquon, those boys just did their thing, and you know, they got tagged, just so, you know, and hopefully they do get paid, you know, hopefully the teams tagged them just to have more time to try to figure out a number that works, Um, and, and, you know, you'd like to think that they didn't tag them just to keep the number down, but, you know, I even heard comments about, you know, wanting Joe Mixon to take a cut, and it's just like, those are the top backs right now, and it's just you know, it's sad if they can't up the market, you know, especially with Josh Jacobs. I think he led the league in rushing, if I'm not mistaken, this year. Um, you know, if you if you can't get those guys to, to, to get up the number, I don't think anyone will.
1: You know, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about those two guys. First of all, Jacobs had an amazing year. He had a great year. Yeah. I think he's a great, great player. Saquon, too, when he's healthy. But if you've got star running backs like Jacobs and Saquon, and they're both getting tagged, I mean... Melvin, do they have any leverage at all, or any real chance, realistically, at getting the contracts they're looking at before the upcoming deadline? Or do they tag them ah. just keep that price down? I mean, let's be real.
5: It's, they, they they tag them to keep it down. Let's just be honest here. Uh, you know, it's just it's not a high value with running backs. You know, the number is going up with with DBs, receivers, and quarterbacks. So they're trying to make room, and and we understand without a without a top notch quarterback, when you have one. Um, it's tough to win. I mean, we all know that. Um, but when you have playmakers in the backfield, that makes it easier. You know, you, just the running back do so much. And we've been saying it, you know. It's just it was just like a recorder that's just on repeat. We've been saying this for a while. And, you know, they just feel like they can go. They got a gunslinger. They feel like they can go without. Um, That's kind of just what it is. But, you know, you have, just like with any other positions, you have your exceptional players. And, uh, you know, it's just the market is just not it's not it's not going good for us you know our market is kind of diminishing and you know everybody else it seems like everybody else market is rising and
1: ours is the only one dropping like at
5: some point we're gonna have to come together but uh, you know it's just hard to even see that happen
1: yeah you wonder if it comes around like another guy your guy austin eckler had a real i mean he's been so productive for the chargers he was looking for that new deal he did not get a new deal he got some new incentives what kind of year do you think he'll have with the Chargers?
5: Uh, he'll have a good one. I was just training with Austin a couple of weeks in, in, in Vegas. Um, he stays out there, actually. So I was out there with him training. Um, and he he still gets after it. So it's, it's not like uh, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, he's not LTA. He hasn't been going to OTAs, you know. I think he's a pretty smart player. He kind of use the off season to kind of build outside, build his own brand outside of uh, football. You know, he kind of knows what comes with it. And, um, but I think as long as he's out there, he's going to give it everything he got. I think if, you know, uh, I've seen the, the, the offensive coordinator coming from, uh, you know, Dallas, the way he used Tony and those guys, uh, I think, you know, Austin, uh, oh, and they got a really good old line. So I think he's going to ball out. I think he's going to do what he need to do. Um, now, is he worth – Austin's worth 10 a year, I think, um, for as much as he do. He held it down when when Keenan and Mike got hurt, and, and uh, he has a, a great relationship with Herbert. Um, but, you know, he's probably not going to get it because the market, I mean, that's just kind of is what it is. Or maybe he might, you know, who knows. But um, I just – but as far as his performance alone, I think he's going to go out there and he's going to do what he need to do. Now, if the Chargers pay him, I don't know. Um, but someone might take a chance on them.
1: We're talking to Melvin Gordon. You know, we talk about the market. I had Aaron Jones on the program. I mean, dude, he took a five million dollar pay cut this year, and still is making good money. And he has gratitude and said so. But that's a big pay cut. You mentioned that you went to Vegas and you went to work out with Austin. So I mean, clearly you're still putting it in. You're still getting it in. What's yeah. your training regiment like right now? What are you doing?
5: Um, well, I started. You know, doing a lot more. Uh, I'm doing a lot more receiver stuff now too. Just mixing that mixing that in because you know you just have to be confident and, and you have to perform on all those levels, and it's not like I did it before, you know, but usually i would i would I would focus more on my running back drills and obviously the weight lifting thing and and you know that's just that comes with the position um but it's just what's different this year is I'm just adding a lot more receiver work because you just want to be able if they ask you um you know do you want to split out wide or anything? You know, you want to show that you can do it, um, and I have—I mean, I got Kenan in my call, my call logs. I got—I got—you know—I talked to monty Adams. I, I know some some guys that, you know, if I ask them, hey, can you send me a couple of drills or whatever, you know, they'll they'll be more than willing to. So, you know, if I got those contacts, I might as well use them to help my game because, you know, I've never really been one-dimensional, uh, especially having Phil. It, it was almost impossible. He helped grow my game so much, but. You know, you just want to be better and excel at that because it's a passing lead. You know, it's, it's, it's running backs are, are starting to slowly be forgotten. And, you know, like I said, they just feel like they could just replace us at any time. Um, so the only way to not be replaced is to be able to do more um, than just run the ball and excel at, you know, everything they
1: ask. Evolve you got to evolve. So one last thought. Exactly. You also were the Broncos. Russell Wilson, Melvin, seemed to take Tariq Woolen saying that he looked like a sack of potatoes to heart <laughs> and has been putting the work in. He looks like he's leaned out. Is there any way, in your opinion, this dude can turn back the clock and play anywhere near the way he did when he was killing it with the Seahawks? And how does he look to you now?
5: Yeah. I mean, regardless of what they thought, you know, he could still spin the ball, you know.
1: um you know, I
5: just don't think the situation was just – it was best for him. Um, you know, it was tough. You know, you coming in. Now there's no expectations. Not that he couldn't, you know, meet them, but, you know, we just didn't reach them. And it's just crazy because what well, we had the most – we had the most losses in close scoring or something like that. I mean, if just one play or two plays, that could be different in the whole narrative of his whole story in Denver the first year could be different. You know, so it's just like it sucks for him, but you know that just kind of comes with being a QB. That kind of comes with with being a leader. You got to take the good with the bad, the scrutiny. You know, and, and and the the thing about it, and the thing with him is he could he could take that. You know, you know he could take it, and it's it's not personal. But you know, I really feel like he's gonna come out here and have a year. Um, he he's gonna be he's gonna be what everybody thought he was gonna be the first year in Denver. Um, I think they got the right coaching staff over there. Um, just talking to those guys. I've been to Denver, I had to do some things there and I talk with the guys, I still be in touch with them guys and, and they love it over there. Um, you know, as they just say it's good structure, they they they'll have a shot. And uh, you know, if you watched uh Denver last year, we were in every game. Like I said, it just came down to, you know, maybe miss, it was a couple, you know, mishaps here and there that kinda that kinda screwed us. Um but you know, if you really go watch it, he lost at least like eight or nine games by one score, you know. So Russell's going to have the year that he wants to, um, you know, and I hope he wins MVP, honestly.
1: Mm. You think he's got that in him? Does he still have an MVP caliber season in him? Yeah, he do. And he got an MVP. MVP you believe you in know, him, coach. dude. You still believe in him.
5: Yeah, because I just know, like, you know, you, I, I – just the situation wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But you know, like I said, I think they got you know they 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 got the pieces there now that um that's just gonna put him in the best situation. Now what he do this year, you know, is is on him. But you know, I definitely believe there'll be a better you know better football team than they were last year. I believe
1: that. 6,400 career rushing yards, 55 rushing TDs. He is a free agent. He is still active, still doing his thing, getting the work in and available. Melvin Gordon talking about a lot of things with us. Melvin, appreciate you. Always good to have you on the show. You know that, man. Stay after it. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right, dude. Good night,